Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Hello, my name is Glenn Todd, and I'm delighted to be taking over from our original host of almost 14 years, John Sharp. I look forward to providing these wonderful gospel messages for you on a weekly basis over your local radio station. You know, people haven't changed. Many still believe that God is against them, and it's easy for them to grumble and complain about their circumstances, even when God had been good to them over and over again. This is exactly what the children of Israel did on their journey to the promised land so many years ago. God had miraculously redeemed them out of Egypt and provided for them abundantly throughout their exodus. Yet they complained against him and even wished they were back in Egypt, all the time forgetting the slavery and oppression they suffered there. For this ingratitude, God had venomous snakes invade the camp, and many people were bitten, many died. But when they cried out for mercy, the Lord presented Moses with an unlikely remedy for their problem. He made a bronze serpent, placed it on a pole, and showed it to all the people. Whoever looked at it was healed. This is a beautiful illustration of God's way of salvation for us today. Numbers 21, we'll read at verse 4 says, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, or a poisonous serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it up on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, with all respect to the medical profession, down through the years, doctors have come up with some very implausible 
remedies and treatments. In fact, some of them are beyond implausible and they're frankly bizarre. So, for example, I was reading today about a remedy, an ancient remedy, where people, believe it or not, would rub cattle dung on their bodies in order to be healed from some diseases. And others would have holes drilled into their heads because they thought that doing that would allow the illness to escape out through the hole in their head. And that is, frankly, bizarre. But you know, it was interesting that although it's very implausible, I was reading recently that doctors are exploring the possibility of using the bug that causes the dreadful disease called polio to treat brain tumors. And just this week I was reading that they are exploring the possibility that they could get predator viruses to kill so-called superbugs. You say, that is a very unlikely cure. But nevertheless, the doctors are exploring the possibility of using a very unlikely cure. I want to talk to you tonight about what I've called a lethal bite and an unlikely cure. Because frankly, what we read about this evening was an unlikely but a most effective cure to the lethal bite of the serpent. And I want us this evening to try and use our senses. I want us to try and imagine the situation. And first of all tonight, we're going ourselves to try to feel in our bodies the searing pain of this lethal bite. We're going to try and feel what it was like to be bitten by the serpent. You see, as we think about that searing bite of the serpent, I want us to think, first of all, even before we get there, I want us to think about the libelous claim, the scandalous claim that the people made against God. Because they said, we were better off in Egypt, and God just brought us here into the wilderness so that we would die. In fact, they were saying, God doesn't care. Can you imagine such a thing? In Egypt, they had been slaves. In Egypt, the taskmasters had been whipping them and making them build these structures with an increasing tally of bricks. They had to make more and more bricks every day with less and less materials. When they failed, they were beaten. But they said, we were better off in Egypt. And they said, God brought us into the wilderness just to leave us here to die. Do you know why they were in the wilderness and not already in the promised land? They were in the wilderness instead of in the promised land because they didn't believe God. When he brought them right to the door of the land, they said, we're not going in. And then they say, God brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness. It was scandalous what they said. And they said, God doesn't care. But if we had read just one or two verses before, where we began to read in Numbers 21, we would have read that God actually defeated all of their enemies. All of the problems that were in their way, God was, God was dealing with all of these problems, and yet the people were still saying, God doesn't care. You know, people still think that way about God. People, it's amazing to me, but even people who are in the grip of sin, they think to themselves, you know, we're better off, we would be better off just staying in the world than getting saved. And they say things like, 
God's a spoil sport. God doesn't want to bless us. And they say things like, God doesn't care. Now, I know that sometimes life is difficult, even for Christians. But it's a scandalous thing to say. God doesn't care. God is a loving, caring, gracious God. And God really cares. God's not against you. God is for you. God is for you. I was thinking, you know, why did God send snakes? The Bible doesn't tell us this, but in my imagination, I was thinking that God sent a serpent because he wanted to remind them of the lies that they first believed when the serpent came into the garden. Do you remember that the serpent spoke to Eve and says, has God really said And then the serpent spoke again to Eve and said, but but God actually knows that you would be better off if you took the fruit. And you see, the problem of sin, it was introduced by a serpent. And so I think God was wanting the people to remember that the lies that the serpent told were the very cause of the problem in the first place. Satan first struck with subtlety in the garden. But the Bible tells us that ever since that time, every person has the vicious venom of sin in their veins. And you and I have the problem of sin in our veins. You and I are born with that problem, and it develops through our lifetimes, and we cannot avoid it. And God wants us to face the reality that the problem is not of his making, but the problem is of our making. And so he sent serpents among the people. And the people, many of them were bitten, and many people died. I hope nobody's ever been bitten by a snake. I've never been bitten by a snake, but my mum has. Fortunately, it was not a poisonous snake. But I know some very, very nasty snakes in Africa. But there's something that you learn about snake bite. There are different kinds of snake bite. You see, some snake bite, it affects the nervous system. It causes us to be numb. It causes us to be dizzy. It causes us to be disoriented. And sometimes it causes us to be paralyzed. That's a particular kind of of venom called neurotoxic venom. It affects the nervous system. Then other snake bite, it affects the It affects the heart and the circulatory system. And then other snake bite is what they call cytotoxic. And that causes the place where you're bitten to become horribly deformed and disfigured. It causes the tissue to die, what they call necrosis. It's a very, very unpleasant thing. But that reminds me about sin. Because you see, sin paralyzes sinners and it causes them to be numb and dizzy. It causes them to be disoriented and they're not thinking correctly about themselves and they're not thinking correctly about God. And if you've been infected by sin and you have, sometimes you become numb to what is wrong in the sight of God and you don't even feel the awful reality of what it is to be a sinner. And our hearts are affected. And it causes, sin causes people's lives to be horribly disfigured. It causes all kinds of dreadful results. And sin is like that awful serum 
It's like that awful poison because it was injected into the human race in the Garden of Eden, but it has infected the entirety of the human race. There's none of us are immune to it. I want us this evening to feel just how serious it is to be bitten by sin. The Bible says, One man brought sin into the world, but death came by sin. And death has passed upon all, for that all have sinned. If you were bitten by a snake tonight, you'd be worried about it, wouldn't you? You'd be wanting to rush for a cure very, very quickly. But I want to remind us all, boys and girls and older folks alike, I want to remind us all that we have been bitten by something much more serious than even the most deadly snake of them all. We've been bitten by sin and are condemned because of that, sure to die, sure to perish in our sins. It's a serious thing. It's a deadly thing. But if we've heard the libelous and scandalous claims that God doesn't care, and if we feel that searing pain of that lethal, that deadly bite, I want us to wonder just now at the simplicity of a very unlikely cure. I was thinking, you know, after the people were bitten by these snakes, they came to Moses and they said, Moses, can you get rid of the snakes? Get rid of the snakes. That's what they wanted. They wanted just the symptoms of the problem to be removed. But God wasn't going to just deal with the symptoms of the problem. He was going to get right to the very heart of the problem. The people just said, get rid of the snakes. I was wondering what the people might have wanted Moses to do. I was thinking that maybe the people thought that Moses could go and take the snakes by the tail. And if he took the snakes by the tail, maybe they would turn into sticks. You see, that had happened before. Or maybe they were thinking, why don't we get a powerful angel? If we could just have a great big powerful angel, that powerful angel could get rid of the snakes. Or maybe they were thinking about a miracle like the crossing of the Red Sea. Or maybe they thought if God could do something like the fire that we saw on the mountain, that would get rid of the snakes. Or an earthquake, because God had used an earthquake whenever there were two men called Nadab and Abihu. And they did something very, very wrong. And an earthquake happened, and they fell into the... Maybe the people were thinking, well, if there was an earthquake, all the snakes could fall into the pit, and we'd be rid of the snakes. But, but no, God didn't do any of those things. God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to make something. I want you to make a snake. What? I want you to make a snake. So Moses made the snake, made it out of brass, and he put it on a pole. And I was thinking that I can almost imagine Aaron and Miriam coming and saying, uh, Moses, can we have a word a moment? Yes, what is it? Um, what's the snake for? Oh, that's the remedy for everyone who's bitten. And I can hear Aaron and Miriam saying to Moses, but uh, Moses, um, the snake's the problem, it's not the cure. And Moses says, no, God says, make a serpent, put it on a pole. Why did God tell Moses to make a snake? Why didn't he use one of these miraculous things and just get rid of it? Why did he say to Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole? Well, it appeals to me this way. God has not ignored the problem of sin, and neither can you. See, God doesn't just ignore the problem. He gets right to the heart of the problem. And the heart of the problem was the snakes. And God is going to make people face the problem. He's going to make them face the reality of sin. 
and he's going to make them face the ruin of sin. As they look at the snake, they're admitting that I'm the problem and the lies, the scandal, the murmuring against God, that is the problem. And that snake is going to be the ruin of me. It's going to destroy me. The venom is in my veins already. And they're going to understand that the only remedy for sin, now listen carefully, the only remedy for sin is what? The only remedy for sin is death. It's judgment. There's no other way to deal with sin because God is holy and he's righteous. There's no other way to deal with sin. The only remedy for sin is death because the wages of sin is death. And you see, I can imagine the people are thinking, just get rid of the snakes, just get rid of the snakes. And what does Moses do? He brings another snake. How's that going to help? If the problem is snakes, how is another snake going to solve the problem? No. God says, you're going to face the problem. You are going to face the problem. You see, the difficulty is with so many young people and so many older people, many people want to be right with God, but they're not ready to face the problem. Not ready to face the problem. God says, if you're going to be cured, you're going to face the problem. You're going to stare it in the face. And as I think about that serpent of brass lifted on a pole, we've heard the scandal of the libelous claims, God doesn't care. We feel the searing pain of the venom that's coursing through us. We wonder at the simplicity of this unlikely cure. A serpent is going to be the cure? I wonder, would you savor with me just now the sorrow of an uplifted saviour? Because that's what the serpent of brass represents. Represents an uplifted saviour. The Lord Jesus Christ said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's speaking about his crucifixion. So that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Moses, if someone is bitten, they need to look to the pole. They need to look to the serpent. And God says to you today, if you feel the searing pain of sin in your veins, look to Christ. Look and live. Look and live. People say, if there's a God, why doesn't he remove all the suffering? Well, you see, in the cross, we discover that the issue, the big issue, is not just the issue of human pain. The pain that we feel, we discover that the issue is much bigger than we think it is. The issue is the problem of human pride. And you and I are part of the problem. And if we're going to be saved, we need to get beyond our pride. We need to stare the problem in the face. We need to understand that we are part of the problem. And if in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that the problem is much greater than we imagine. We also see that the solution to that problem is much greater than we could ever imagine. You see, it's not just a problem of taking away the pain that people feel. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't just die to be our example so that we could live as better neighbors and better friends and better sons and daughters 
and better husbands and wives. He didn't just live a life to be our example, but he died a death to be our saviour. He died to deal with the very heart, the very core of the problem, and that is your sin and mine. You see, the problem is much bigger than you think, but I'm glad to tell you the solution, the answer, is much bigger than you could ever, ever imagine. All the way back in the garden, God had promised a saviour. He said, the serpent will bruise the saviour's heel, but the saviour will crush the serpent's head. Dear friends, this evening, and if there are any who are struggling with sin and feel its searing pain and would long to be free from that, I want to tell you this evening, with joy in my heart, Christ has crushed the serpent's head. Upon the cross, he dealt with the very root of the problem. He crushed the serpent's head. He died the death that justice demands. He died for our sins. Justice demands that we face the penalty of our sins. But mercy provides pardon for our sins. And upon the cross, the Lord Jesus crushed the serpent's head so that mercy might flow freely to you and me. The answer to your sin and mine in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is much greater than you or I could ever imagine. That I'm finished. But now here's the crucial thing. Here's the light switch moment when the power is turned on. I want you to gaze with sincerity on a life-giving sight. That life-giving look to the brazen serpent was an act of unreserved acceptance. That's what I deserve. I deserve death. But it was at the same time an act of unreserved dependence upon God's solution. I can do nothing for myself. I'm about to die. And the soul that was bitten in a moment could gaze upon the uplifted serpent, the uplifted Christ. And in that moment, the Lord says, the soul that's been bitten, just look and live. Look and live. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Christ is the answer to your great need. His death upon the cross, will you allow me to say it? His death upon the cross is the unlikely cure. But it's what you need. It's the only thing that down through the ages has proven to be the Antidote for sin's awful venom, for sin's awful curse. Would you trust Christ this evening? The word to you is this. Christ has been uplifted upon the cross on account of your sin and mine. Look and live. Yes, Christ has crushed the serpent's head. Our sins have been dealt with on the cross of Calvary, just as the Israelites simply had to look at the snake on the pole symbolizing the curse of sin, so the gospel message calls sinners to look at Christ on the cross. What was happening there? He was putting away sin. Looking to Him, trusting in Him alone for our salvation, is all that God requires. Only then 
will the venom of sin be cleansed and a new life begin. Trust Christ today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. 